Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast that delves under the hood of the strange and the unexplained. We are. And this week, I want to take you into the world of the crop circle. It's a very sort of peculiar phenomena that happens in a particular part of the UK every year in Wiltshire. Uh, But it also happens all over the world. Are you familiar with corn circles? Have you ever stood in one? I've never stood in one. My, um, I guess my, so I don't know a lot about crop circles at all. Uh, I guess my only experience of them is, I know there's, uh, I think they're on a Led Zeppelin album cover. I've seen them. That's I've right. Seen pit, I've seen pictures of them. Uh, and in my mind, they are like a guy or a couple of guys or a group of guys or, or women who've got a kind of board on the end of the stick and run around doing this stuff and there's nothing particularly strange or paranormal or weird about them, but maybe that's just my ignorance. Obviously, if we're talking about it, there's got to be more to it than that. Otherwise, this is going to be a short episode, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just people with boards. Anyway, see you next week. (laughs) That's it. Thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, these, I think... That people with boards is what they, whoever they are, want you to think. And I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey, and we're gonna. I'm going to introduce you to somebody who's going to tell us a bit more about it. A proper crop circle researcher. Great. But I've been fascinated by these things. I grew up in Wiltshire, and I've lived very close to Wiltshire all of my life and uh, that particular album cover that you mentioned I've been I went into that crop circle when it was formed it happened in a place called Alton Barnes in Wiltshire in 1991 and it there was sorry so so let me stop you so you stood in that crop circle that's on that Led Zeppelin album cover yeah Yeah. wow because there was a bit of me that thought oh this is I wondered even if it was something that was kind of you know, Photoshop to a computer enhanced, but that was the real. Circuit. No, no, it was the real wow. one. It was the real wow. one. Okay, sorry to interrupt, but that's that no, one. no, that's amazing. You stood in it. I did stand in it. Yeah. So, um, for anybody who doesn't know, Wiltshire is it's a county in the UK. It's in the southwest of the UK. It does have an association with the strange and mysterious. You've uh, you've got Avebury, where the standing stone circles are circles we've got silbury hill there which is an ancient um well nobody exactly knows what it's for but let's call it a burial hill but it's again a perfect circle and when i was growing up there in the sort of the, the mid to late 70s early 80s crop circles were a thing there but they hadn't hit the newspapers they haven't been um i suppose like a, a media phenomena and if you spoke to people so some of my friends parents were farmers they would say things like oh it's uh hedgehogs mating or it's <laughs> well, well some quite complicated mating rituals right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah but but that was kind of the it was just accepted as part of uh, you know, being a farmer in Wiltshire. Right. 
And it wasn't really until the very late 80s and early 90s that the phenomena became something that was spoken about in the press a lot. Right. And if you haven't come across crop circles, if you're you've probably maybe you've heard of them but you haven't really understood what they are what they really are is it's a formation in flattened wheat or barley or another crop it can happen in peas or or whatever and it's usually a perfect circle of flattened crop so uh the the crop is usually damaged in that area and they come in different sizes they come in different shapes and then layered onto that there are reports of uh, changes to the crop so uh, for example some people talk about nodules on uh, the stems of the corn of the crop so there's uh, an implication of an application of heat so uh, these nodules on the stem have expanded there is a change in the nature of the actual uh, plant and then in the soil people have discovered if you take it at face value they've det- discovered tiny metallic particles in the soil and magnetic anomalies so the nodules let's go back to the yeah. nodules for a second <clears throat> Are the, have these nodules been found just on the bits that have been been flattened. flattened yeah so not on the whole crop itself no that's right yeah just on the piece that's flattened and and the same with the metallic residue or whatever you want to call it yeah so the implication being that part of the process has caused this yes for not this thing to happen to the crops yes okay and and those nodules and those changes in the chemistry of the soil would be very difficult to achieve if this was just people with boards right but we'll come on to that because the story of corn circles starts a long long time ago okay and so let's just have a look at some of the early reports of corn circles so one of the earliest in the uk there is an earlier one but this is i'm going to start with this one it's from 1686 and it's from a publication called the natural history of staffordshire and it's a report from a professor robert plot good name yeah, a good name for a crop circle Yeah, <laughs> and he describes formations in Staffordshire that are trumpet-shaped. And yeah. so what we've got there is obviously something that is hundreds of years ago, and it's not just a simple circle. Uh, in the uh, report, in that uh, Natural History of Staffordshire report, He's done some illustrations and they are different shapes, but they are indeed sort of trumpet shaped. So you start with uh, a small end and then if you can imagine, it's almost like a semicircular shape and it gets bigger. Sort of almost like a French horn, I suppose you could describe it. Sorry. Is this God. this is in Wiltshire again? Is it this? Or is no, well, it, no, yeah, Staffordshire. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. And but, for those who don't know the geography, how how far away? Uh, from... Staffordshire is to the north of Wiltshire, probably by about a hundred miles. Right. Okay. Fine. But I suppose it's worth pointing out that today 
Wiltshire is incredibly arable. It is a place that is, um, it has a lot of army presence. And right. so there are a lot of, uh, the Salisbury Plain comes into Wiltshire and the army exercise on there a lot. So you you tend not to get a lot of building. It isn't a very built up place. There's, there's a few towns sort of notably Marlborough and Swindon, but right. there's a huge amount of arable farming and that, could be a reason why the corn circles are concentrated there because Staffordshire now has been much more built up. That turns into, uh, sort of goes into the Birmingham area. It's sort of on the edge of the black country. It's a lot more, a lot more built up. But anyway, uh, this professor talks about how the bread from the flour harvested from inside these trumpet formations, he describes it as rancid. So, there's an implication there that there is some sort of uh, chemical trans transformation going on. Yeah. Just before that, sort of eight years before, in 1678, I think there is probably the most famous old report of a corn circle, and it's known as the mowing devil. And right. what happened in this incident was... Uh, the the legend goes, or the tale goes, that a labourer went to quote a farmer for uh, the job of cutting down his oats in his field. Yeah. And the farmer was so unimpressed with the price that the labourer quoted that he said he would rather the devil mowed his crop <laughs> than this labourer. And then the next morning... He has a perfect circle formed in his field and he, he sort of says, oh, well, um, the, the devil must have heard me and, and come and done it. Come and done it. Yeah, exactly. And you could you could kind of say as a, a cynic on that, that maybe the labourer did it to spite him, but then you probably wouldn't do a perfect circle, would you? Well, no, that's right. And also, it's a strange thing to do. So arguably... It isn't doing the labourer's work because it isn't like if you're going to uh, harvest a crop, you you scythe it or cut it down and you you um, take take the stems and you bunch them up so that they can be then threshed and milled. These were yeah. just flattened down, so it would be a spiteful thing to do. But back in 1678, that would also be a dangerous thing to do because obviously it's highly illegal. And if you're a labourer who is reliant on sort of itinerant work for their yeah. living, you're not going to get yourself a good reputation. You're going to lose your livelihood yeah, yeah. if you're seen to be doing that to a farmer. Yeah. And and also, it's it was only a small part of the field. It wasn't the entire field. And and you'd have to be sort of there's a quite there'd be a, a mental process to go through to decide to do a perfect circle and uh yeah. the, the, there is uh wood cuttings which were turned into prints of this circle and it does look like a very neat circle so i can't it, it doesn't make any common sense to to sort of say that it was a prank back yeah. back then crops were not something of the you would prank with they were incredibly valuable not only to the farmer but to the rest of society because you 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 know you the 
you're living hand to mouth in many yeah, many well, instances. It's, it's life, basically, isn't it? That's life. I, yeah. I, I, the 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 images. Uh, I, I I think what we'll do is we will put some of these images on uh, our Facebook and Twitter account if anyone wants to have a look at them while we're doing the podcast. Mm. Uh, so if you want to find us on both Facebook and Twitter, we are at TQM Podcast. So at TQM Podcast, you can see some of these images. Um, actually, I'm just having a look at the the round one now. Yeah, interesting. It's kind of simpler than the the ones that I kind of recognise as uh, uh, as crop circles from yeah, like you were saying, the kind of eighties and stuff. But yeah, um, interesting. Yeah. Were they called? I, I guess that's where the the phrase was coined then, crop circles. Because crop circles, just, yeah, because yeah. they because they literally are just a kind of circle or a, a circular style. Yeah, th- phenomena. Yeah, well, so they've they've obviously gone through. Um, I, well, I suppose different ex- expressions. So those that I was describing earlier from 1686 are trumpet-shaped, yeah. the mowing devil is circular-shaped, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come on to uh, the sort of the evolution of the shapes in a moment because are we are we going to talk about why they may have become more complex? Because that's quite a fascinating thing to kind of look at yeah. as well isn't it yeah no we yeah. we definitely will great but it it's it's interesting to know that through the 1900s there were lots of anecdotal reports uh from farmers of uh circular formations occurring in their fields and in the uk they were predominantly from wiltshire and the surrounding areas but they right. also come from western europe and north america and further afield, even way back then, not just in modern. No, that's right. No, okay. no, throughout throughout the 1900s, and that's where I think you end up getting uh, the sort of the notion that these things are either a natural phenomena or something that you can put down to local wildlife because they appear so often and with such regularity that it would make sense if you can't explain it in any other way. It's sort of, it's a good farmer's explanation to kind of deal with the loss of a a crop to say, oh, right, it's it's hedgehogs mating. Horny hedgehogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But again, like, because these are anecdotal reports, I can't sort of stress enough that these things are not being reported regularly in papers funnily enough there are a few reports in farmers almanacs but they tend to be uh reports of sort of crop losses so people are not focusing on what is causing these they're much more focused on the financial loss that is occurring through these things happening on their fields so there is no talk of this is aliens or anything like that. What they're doing is explaining them away with sort of, I suppose, some people might call them naive, but I completely understand why you might you might say, if you, if you can't explain something that's happening and it's causing you a financial loss, yeah. then a way to psychologically get past that barrier of annoyance is to say, well, it's hedgehogs mating because it puts it puts the onus on 
the natural world. It's something yeah. that you can't control. And it's also something whereby with that explanation, you can feel uh, less aggrieved that you, you've had this financial well, hit. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's not the biggest leap though, is it? Cause if you think about it, you know, if you, you watch David Attenborough documentaries, I mean, are more exotic than a hedgehog, but there are plenty of examples of animals kind of effectively creating amazing works of art to attract a mate. Yeah. So you could see Absolutely. how, I'm not sure a hedgehog counts as that, but you know, it's, there are, there are examples of it. Yeah. So, so the, the farmers have explained it a way of, you know, it's animals doing what animals do. Yeah. Um, there, you said there was one where somebody had just kind of tempted the devil to kind mm -hmm. of do it. Are, are there any other kind of explanations, or is it is it just kind of written off as those well, two things? The, for, the explanations the, the explanations come a little later. bit later. Right. So the first time that it appears that anybody attributed these circles to something otherworldly are something uh, so they're called they they became known as saucer nests and saucer the re nests. saucer nests right. yeah and that term stems from a place in australia called tully uh from uh 1966 so the very first incident that became sort of well known happened on the 19th of january 1966 and it was reported by a farmer called George Pedley uh, from Tully in Australia. And he describes, so he's a farmer, and in on his arable land, he's, he's growing standing crops. He described hearing a loud hissing noise prior to finding a 25-foot diameter circle. And first of all, that circle was in weeds in a lagoon on his property so the the first thing that uh he saw it it hadn't actually damaged his crops it was in uh, uh this um kind I, of wild area a wild area yeah but it was a wild area on his land and yeah. so what what he's describing is uh this circle happening in weeds that are growing within water so it would be Wait, sorry which makes yeah. you think <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking back to the couple of people with a with a board on a stick. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the kind of environment you want to be prodding around with a board on a stick. No, right? no, exactly. But in Australia, for God's sake. But know. we will find out that those Tully saucer nests do have a relationship to the uh, supposed pranksters. Oh really? So they were. So people were out in these. Well, 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 well. Am we'll I jumping ahead that. of myself? You're, you are slightly jumping ahead of yourself. <laughs> can I? So can I go back then? Because yeah. I was. I, it's funny as we were talking. I was thinking. I can see why kind of sixties, seventies, and later, these these kind of patterns emerged. Because really, to really appreciate these phenomena, whether they're they're man-made or not. You almost need a kind of aerial view of them to see them in all their glory, but you're you know, absolutely right. Back yeah. in those early days that you're talking about, it's not like you could go up in a helicopter or even these days go up in a drone or whatever. There's nothing where you can see them, right? Which is that's so right. Weird. Yeah, and a lot of these things you can, uh, if you don't have a helicopter or a drone, 
they really you can really only see the true shape of them if you can uh, get yourself onto like an elevation above them so you can look down on them or they're right, right. on a field where it's on the side of them and i think from a mountain or whatever yeah, right okay. right and and wiltshire has quite a few of those areas where there are uh like natural bowls with with hills around them okay yeah, uh, yeah just just be, just because of the features of the environment and i suspect that's probably one of the reasons why in wiltshire you get uh chalk white horses and yep. these various other sort of ancient manipulations of the countryside because you were able to uh inscribe it into the ground and then you would be able to see it from yeah. a distance away some some of those you know those white horses are are very pronounced for for miles around yeah but i think you make you make a really good point because uh this farmer george the only reason why it stood out is for the exact reason you just pointed out because the lagoon is obviously lying at a lower elevation than the rest of the fields around and that's how he how he spotted it right but it's also crucial to to know that he is a remote farmer. Tully is not, you know, it's not a suburb of Sydney. It's it, he is a a farmer, well out into the wilds. Yeah. And to to prank him and to prank him in such a way as to, you know, make him make him call something a saucer nest where it is uh, a trampling of weeds in a, a watering environment would be a very strange thing to do. And he actually brought the media attention on himself because he found it was very strange. And and that is the sort of the first time when the media took a bit of attention to these things and rather than reporting it as a you know a farming incident, reported it as like a paranormal incident and i believe it was the local newspaper there that uh started term terming them as saucer nests so uh, was that the first time they were kind of tied to a kind of alien right right yeah, okay but but over in the uk what you find is that we don't really pick up on it until the late 80s and early 90s and that's when the newspapers and right. indeed television start going crazy for this stuff. And so you actually mentioned earlier, the one that became the most sort of famous in the early days, it happened on the 10th of July in 1990 in a place called Alton Barnes. And Alton Barnes is right in the middle of Wiltshire. It's about 10 miles, eight to 10 miles outside of Marlborough. And the field where this uh, pictogram, as it's called, so it wasn't just the circle, it's yeah. that one that you see on the Led Zeppelin album cover. It's it's a number of different circles with almost like key shape uh, formations in it. That happened in a field at the at the bottom of a natural bowl. So it's very easy to go up and look right. down upon it. And I think that that was the turning point in the formations and they became more and more complex and uh, bigger more adventurous by 1992 in Wiltshire alone there were 312 formations right. in that summer and a lot of them were 
of that peculiar pictogram shape. So it was a definite evolution of those straight circles. And, and then, there's quite there's quite a gap there though, isn't there? We kind of you know, we went from what kind of 1700s, whatever it was, to you know 1970s, the Australia thing. You know, back pre the kind of 1970s, was was this stuff happening, but just not reported or talked about? Or is there a gap in yeah the, the, the no, evolution? It, it, it's happening, but it's not really talked about. So right. in the UK, the the formations still happen. Like I say, growing up in the 70s in in Wiltshire, we would see them quite often just driving to the shops and whatever. But right. there was no notion that it was anything unusual or peculiar. It was kind of accepted as part of uh, just how how nature and uh, the you know the nature work basically. Right, right. But, but what once we get into the 90s and beyond we find these very intricate designs and probably the most intricate design and we we might talk about this with our guest later actually happened 10 years later in august 2002 and it's what um i guess if you google alien face corn circle oh, i have seen this one you've yeah. seen it right right so this is a uh it's a formation where it is both a picture of what would be an archetypal uh gray alien face yeah yeah and then next to it is a circle with uh digital bits taken out of it so it's like um what you would find on a cd and yeah. and it's digital encoding in ascii code which is obviously just um you know so it's, it's a fairly standard uh code for computers and, and yeah. it can be decoded and when you decode it it says beware the bearers of false gifts and their broken promises much pain but still time believe there is good out there we oppose deception conduit closing now <laughs> <laughs> that is That's quite a, interesting. Yeah, that, that is a strange thing to write in corn because so if there is an intelligence behind this and we'll get on to the hoax thing in a moment but if there's an intelligence behind this for hundreds of years it has just been painting circles and then the time when digital um digital coding you know 2002 everyone's buying cds it's it's yeah. very much a digital era there is an encoding using that same encoding to give this message and although if, if there was one before that that would blow your mind wouldn't it Have people right gone back yeah, yeah. trying no, to find these patterns it it you're right it would and we don't know I guess whether somebody saw it and didn't recognize what it was they were seeing. Maybe our intelligence had to keep up with it. But yeah. it is it it's strange to believe that it doesn't necessarily have to be an alien intelligence, but another intelligence chooses to communicate with us using our own 
coding standards yeah. by drawing a pictogram in a field. Like, if, you, if you've got the ability to do that, then... W- you, you should be able to send an email, right? Or, <laughs> yeah. or, or make yeah, a, yeah. A, a a disc or or something. Well, uh, I think this is this is for me the kind of whole alien thing. This is where I get a little, you know, confused about why they would use this medium to communicate with us. Yeah, because you know, it. it it doesn't make any logical sense. I guess you could argue their logic might be different to ours, but um, it seems like an you know why not just kind of chip up in the middle of Times Square and say hi, you know? Right, right, <laughs> yeah. No, I I completely agree. I completely but what's quite agree. interesting about where you're saying these things are occurring, you know, you talked about kind of stone circles and uh, chalk, the the chalk things in the side of the yeah. the hills and stuff. I mean, a lot of those, I think, are uh, associated with kind of fertility. I'm not coming back to the hedgehogs, but, yeah. the, you know, to fertility and, uh, you know, having good crops and growth and yeah. some kind of pagan worship. It's kind of interesting that they all seem to be in similar areas. Is, is there some... You alluded to some connection there, but is that, is, is the, is that right? Uh, well... I I agree with you. I don't know of maybe with something we can ask. Uh, yeah, it's, when they it's come something with something we'll ask our guests. But I do yeah. find it peculiar that uh, you know Wil- Wiltshire is renowned for Avebury. Right, it's smack bang in the middle of Wiltshire is Avebury, which are concentric stone circles. You've got Silbury Hill right by it, which is a perfect circle, albeit a mound in a circular shape and then you've got stonehenge and then across the british isles and much further we have you know stone circles and we still don't really understand why they're stone circles the the best explanation that i've ever heard is around ancestor worship and around uh the uh i suppose the age of the rocks representing ancestors and their right. spirit being there. And then, as, as you say, you then get uh, a sort of an ancestor worship thing which goes into um, trying to bring good luck for crops or trying to invoke some deity to make your crops good or even invoking the power of the ancestors to make your crops good. Yeah. And uh, a circle is... Uh, a shape which is you know is is obviously mathematically a perfect shape because it <clears throat> it it allows you to um you know create a line of circles uh, uh sorry a line of rocks in a in a way that you can put people inside it and yeah. you don't just have to but it doesn't like it seems like a strange thing that we've got all these reports of called circles and concentric shapes and then we've got those in the countryside but let's just talk about what you said about you thinking that these are down to people hoaxing because it is still feasible potentially that these things have been hoaxed for whatever reason because people do strange things so right at the peak of the media interest in crop circles in the UK 
we had there was a revelation supposedly so the today newspaper on the 10th of september 1991 released a story claiming that two people doug bauer and dave chorley had been hoaxing these circles for 19 years and they claimed responsibility for the entire phenomena so all of them for all of them right and what was so remarkable about that date and what makes it i don't know if the word suspicious is right but it attracts attention because the week of the 10th of september uh the uk broadcaster channel 4 they have a long-running science strand called Equinox. Yep. And they had made a very serious documentary talking to, uh, well, they're called seriologists, people who were researching those corn circles. And these people are not quacks and weirdos. These people are professors at various universities and they were proposing all kinds of theories and they made very serious contributions to this show on Equinox, uh, this show called Equinox. But by the time that show aired, the newspaper and media attention was entirely focused on Doug and Dave. And in the minds of most people, even nearly 30 years later, if you mention this, people will remember, if not their names, they'll remember the news story. I've got a visual say, picture of them with the board and stuff. I've, right. I've, I've got a mental image of that. I don't know if it's true, but I seem to remember something about this. Yeah. Right. And the connection back to those Tully saucer nests is yeah. that Doug Bauer used to live in Tully ah, in, in Queensland okay. in the 60s. Right. And he claims okay. that... He saw those, and then back in the UK, when he made uh, friends with Dave Chorley, they both shared a hobby of watercolour painting and became friends. (laughs) And they used to drink in the same pub, the Percy Hobbs pub in Winchester. And in 1976, after a big drinking session, uh, they decided that they would try and recreate those Tully saucer nests. The, right. the, so they did, they didn't, he didn't create it in Australia. He just came across it. Right, it. right. That You see, that is one of the gaping holes. There's many gaping holes in this story. But the fact that he observed a phenomena and decided to copy it, yeah. that isn't something that anybody has really considered he isn't claiming that he did the tully saucer nests but what's sort of super fascinating is in his report where that he gives to the newspaper where he's talking about his inspiration and mentions the the tully saucer nests he describes them as being uh rough shod and uh quite rough but that is not what the original reports say at all and of the ones in of the ones in australia yeah yeah okay so he he describes that their their first circle is done in pristine wheat in 1976 and his only motivation is and i quote 
he so Bauer says to Chorley, "How would you like a bit of a laugh?" And I cannot believe that those two people did all of those formations with absolutely no notice from the press for well if they started in 76 the uk press really didn't get on this until at least 11 years later so they kept going with no they kept kept going yeah absolutely and not only did they sorry how how many did they do in that time do you know well yeah they they don't they say that they can't remember and they don't know because there's then, a lot of them right that's a lot to do even in that's a relatively i guess long period mm-hmm. of time but that's that's most you know that's most of your weekends taken up isn't it <laughs> it is and they they say that they did these things largely on a friday night right. but so if you meet in the pub <laughs> is there nothing to do in wiltshire <laughs> well quite so if you meet on a Friday night, go drinking, and then decide to go uh, crop, crop circling circle, in the dark. Crop circling in the dark. What are you? It, well, for it, the very first thing you've got to do is realise that one of them can't have been drinking because they've got yeah. to be able to drive. Yeah. Uh, Dave Chorley's wife, she said that she became suspicious by the amount of miles on the car. <laughs> and he had to own up to her because she thought he was having an affair. <laughs> but that I just loving. I don't know. No, no, I'm not having an affair. What I'm doing is with a board. I'm going out into fields and craping down. That's pretty right, right. So <laughs> good excuse though. <laughs> how how ridiculous! So she is not questioning the fact that he is out all night at least once a week. Yeah, and yet. The mileage on the car causes her suspicion. <laughs> also, he hasn't thought to bring up with her the fact that he's going out corn circling. Why is it such a secret for yeah. her? He, he, it must be more no... risky to come home with kind of bits of corn in your hair. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> there's no media attention at this time. He He's going out, drinking with his mate, then going doing corn circles. What? harm would it do to his marriage to say look don't tell anyone but yeah. i'm making corn circles the, it none of it adds up it doesn't so the, make any sense the alien one that you were talking about earlier with the the computer yeah. code did the sd they, code from 2002 they, yeah are they saying they did that one or is that after no that's exposed? so that is okay. 11 years after they came out oh, okay. and then they <clears throat> right. said they'd retired right. so the sort of uh debunking explanation for everything post that is that it is copycats Copycats, so that in 1992 like i just said we've got more than 300 formations in wiltshire alone that is a lot of copycat activity going on so to talk about all of these issues and to get a real insight from somebody who does know what they're talking about we're joined on the show by roland bellion who is the co-founder with his wife, Nancy, of uh, the institution and site Sky High Creations. Uh, Roland, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Could you just begin by telling us um, what your involvement is with Corn Circles and how you first got interested in the subject, please? 
Yeah. Well, uh, first, uh, thank you for having me on the show. And um, well, the, the history of crop circling um, goes back until um, the early 90s, I think. Well, let's say 1993, 94. Um, my wife, Nancy, she was um, interested in the paranormal for all her life. And uh, so when we met in 1989, we started talking about that and we evolved up to 1993, 94, where we first saw a television show uh, about the paranormal that featured crop circles. And in 1994, I said, well, let's go to England. And we make a tour uh, via Stonehenge, Avery, and all kinds of power places like that. And we knew about crop circles, we, we had never seen one. And then um, we drove by a place called Silbury Hill, I suppose uh, most people know that. And in the field there was a, a Scorpio a kind of formation, but there was no people in the field. So we didn't go in and uh, we drove by, but it got us more interested in the phenomenon, of course. And then when we came back in, uh, in Holland, about two weeks later, there was a crop circle near the town of Zierikzee. And we went there because it was just an hour's drive and we had a look. And um, there we met a person, uh, Herman Hegge, who was um, organizing a, a new group called the Dutch Center for Crop Circle Studies. And about six months to a year later, we first met with the group and uh, we joined the group. And well, we have been members ever since up to today. And also we went back for the crop circles every year since, so we have been to the UK many times just for seeing the crop circles, going to Glastonbury. Well, that's how we got into the phenomenon. When, when we first were joined the Dutch Center for Crop Circle Studies, we started studying crop circles in the way uh, that Busty Taylor taught us. And Busty Taylor was a member of the Center for Crop Circle Studies in the UK. And then, uh, well, it all evolved from there. And, and was there, a feeling when, at least when you first started out, that you would get to a point where you understood either what was creating the phenomena or what it was attempting to communicate? Um, well, yes, but never uh, did we find any conclusive evidence of anything. So um, we discovered, of course, that uh, these uh, shapes could not all have been made by uh, Doug and Dave, of course, and certainly not by other people just coming from the pub, using a, a wooden board uh, and just stamping around in the field. That was pretty obvious that it was not that. But then the question is, of course, what is it? And in the early days, in the 90s, we were very much uh, into trying to find what the creator was. Um, and it, through the years, we concluded that probably what is causing the crop circles is not as important as how you experience them. Through the years, of course, we learned that there are actually teams of people that do make crop circles, and it is very hard to distinguish the, the, these man-made crop circles from the other ones, and then the, the other ones, the so-called real crop circles, there are also uh, various kinds of, of, uh, of uh, origin to it. So. You never know if what is in the field, how it's being made. And uh, and we tend to think that it's not that important anymore. Okay. that That's quite interesting what you're saying, because I noticed you didn't use the word hoax. So it seems like 
to you it, it, the the phenomena in general whether it's man-made whether there's other stuff it's it's the experience that maybe is important not how it was created that's right yeah well uh, the word hoaxer has a kind of negative yeah. connotation to it so yeah we don't tend to we tend to use it not that much um but we do i do of course believe that there is a phenomenon i mean otherwise it would not be very useful to be in those fields all the time um and we have a sort of proof for that too uh, that there is a phenomenon and that it doesn't want to be caught not on camera or any other kind of way so we know that through the years there is only very little uh, reports of people that have actually uh, seen a crop circle being formed of course the, that uh, those people are there and they they tell the story but very rarely is it on video uh, and can you um, prove let's say scientifically that it uh, actually got there in a, in, a, in a strange kind of way that it wasn't people doing it and uh, if it were people how they were doing it yeah? mm -hmm. the most simple explanation of course that the, the, the general public uses is people using wooden boards stomping around the field well we know it's not that but what then what is it and um, a friend of ours that is uh, was in, in um, in, in the environmental uh, agency in the Netherlands, he thought, well, I want to investigate these crop circles in a more thorough way, and I want to be funded like by the University of Utrecht. He drove around every morning for, uh, for weeks and weeks in Wiltshire using an infrared camera, uh, trying to find these heat patterns, and he never found them. So, okay. <laughs> So he thought, well, that this, this was not very successful, this research that I did, but he was very um, persistent. So in the, in the following years, he made small cameras and put them in the uh, fields around or in the hills around the fields that you would expect a crop circle to be that year. And those cameras were there, let's say, from May until August. And every three minutes, the, the camera would uh, make a picture day and night. So you had a 24-7 uh surveillance of the fields always when there was a crop circle the next morning then in the night something would have happened to the camera so it would either be that the camera was wet due to the rain um, a sheep would have turned the camera skywards uh, uh, people would have molested the cameras there were always things happening to the cameras uh, in the case of a crop circle so in the end he never found uh, the phenomena doing anything he never uh, uh, caught uh, hoaxers in the act doing anything. Uh, so the conclusion that I draw personally from this whole experience is that the, there is a phenomenon going on and it makes sure that it's not caught on camera. So it's intelligent. Yeah. And in your, I know it's Im almost impossible to say, but do you feel like it's, an extraterrestrial intelligence or an earth intelligence yeah it, i think it's all of the above so uh, i do believe that there are people with wooden boards i do believe that there are some people some uh, crop circles may be made uh, by intelligence from outer space uh, it may be uh, the earth itself telling us something uh, it may be people using technology that we don't know as the general public um, and there may also be other uh, paranormal activity, like let's say it is people like us, but then in the future telling us, uh, giving us a message to the people right now. So all those 
different uh, approaches to the phenomenon, they all may be true, but I have no conclusive any evidence for any one of them. We were talking earlier about um, the, the areas where these things occur and we were kind of comparing them with stone circles and, uh, you know, chalk drawings on the sides of mountains. We had a big discussion about, you know, fertility, making the crops grow, all that stuff. Do you think there is some connection between all those other phenomena and, and, and stuff than and crop circles? Well, I think that there, there must be a reason for uh, the south of England being the hotspot for crop circles for all those years. Uh, and I think that the, the, the existence of places like uh, Stonehenge and Avebury and all those power places has something to do with it. Also, the, the, the ley lines, the Michael and Mary alignment, all of that, that will be involved in the crop circle phenomenon. Um, so, yeah, I think that that, uh, that is important. Um, I must say that crop circles, of course, they are all around the world and, in, and not only in wheat or barley. Yeah? They, they are in, in trees, sometimes in snow, sometimes in, in rice fields. Uh, but most of it is in the UK still, although it is decreasing the last couple of years. So, so before this, if uh, before you'd come across corn circles, were you a, a believer in any way or did this really become a point where you your whole attitude changed um i always believed in that there was um let's say more between heaven and earth <laughs> that is kind right. of a cliche but um you know my mother she was from indonesia and and uh, as a little girl her father died at some point i think when she was 11 and she predicted that and um, also when she was uh, uh, half awake, half asleep at night, she would have visions of herself flying over the city and seeing the city below her, you know, all kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, she told me when I was a young boy, so I, had, I was already open-minded because of that for the paranormal. And then uh, when I met Nancy, of course, she told me all kinds of stuff that I didn't know yet. And we listened to radio shows about the paranormal and we watched TV shows about the paranormal. So before crop circles got uh, in our lives, we already opened up our minds, of course. But I think that the crop circles did accelerate that. But yeah, uh, the, the li our lives changed and, and we used to have desk jobs and we're not really able to to be in a place like that anymore so now uh, we work for ourselves and we do the sky high creations and uh which means that we organize lectures and events around the paranormal all the time and and we organize places where people with uh, who are like-minded can meet that is what we what we do in our daily lives now we were talking earlier about um these crop circles going, you know, not not just a, a relatively new phenomenon that they do go back. I think Ben was telling me around the seventeen hundreds, all that stuff. They tend to have the designs tend to have become more complex. Or yeah. have you any theory of why that might be the case? Um, no conclusive evidence there, of course, but um, well, we we see that uh, crop circles have been there for many hundreds of years, and I can say that probably they have been there forever. Um, but then at the end of the 70s, 80s, uh, different kinds of shapes that came into the fields. And of course, uh, the phenomenon accelerated very much in the UK, in Wiltshire and Hampshire. 
And um, that was when the, the, the pictograms began to appear. So it was not just simple circles anymore. It was complicated shapes with boxes at first and later the, the I think in 1996, it was the, uh, the Julia set that uh, got, got the, the, the mathematics going on and the, and the sacred geometry that was in it. Um, that can be part of the, the message that is put in the crop circles by the circle makers, whomever they may be. Um, and I do also think that uh, a certain amount of man-made uh, human involvement is, is, is responsible for those shapes. So is there a relationship between human intelligence and this other intelligence? Does it, um, does it interact with us in a deeper way than just the circles in a field? Well, it probably does. Um, in the early 90s, there, was, there were messages put in the fields like speak to us and then uh, at some point uh, an answer would come in a different field. Um, you had a crop circle in the early zeros of this century, um, Chill Bolton. There was a crop circle that was was uh, that that um, showed the uh, uh, an answer to the Arecibo message that was sent into space, uh, telling us that these uh, uh, aliens were were silica based instead of carbon based like us, and they had an answer to every uh, question that was put out there by the Arecibo message. So in that way. It, it, it speaks to us. The phenomenon speaks to us literally in the messages in the fields. And I think you you mentioned that you had a very personal experience where you were waiting for a circle to form and then just at the right moment it did. Um, the, well, there were two stories. Uh, one is was that we were involved in a, a thought experiment. And the other was that we were energized by one of these crop circles. So I will start with, uh, with the thought experiment. So we know that there are people uh, also in, already in the 90s that uh, by uh, mental powers tried to form a crop circle. And they were very successful in that. There was a Japanese guy, he was, uh, his name is Masao Maki. He came in 1999, he came to the UK to debunk the whole phenomenon because he thought it was all crap and then well, how it goes with these people they get to wheelchair they see it all and they change their mind and they think okay this is a real phenomenon um but he wanted to kind of proof for himself personal proof so he sat on a crop circle uh, opposite silvery hill in the field and he said well i want a crop circle that is close to me to the west of me um featuring a, a japanese element and then the next morning, there was a crop circle of a kind of origami folding shape. <laughs> and it was west of him. It was very close there. So he got an immediate answer. So we thought, well, maybe we can do that. And my uh, friend, Bert Janssen, who is a very well-known crop circle researcher, he said, well, uh, I made a picture of a little uh, Knight Templar's cross in the uh, St. Peter's Church in Marlborough this morning. And he showed this on his digital camera. So we watched it for a while, very short while, and, and we all watched it and we not really meditated on it, but well, we formed some thought around it. And then, of course, we went on with the dinner, had some wine, uh, and the next morning, no crop circle. 
and the morning after that, no crop circle. But the third morning, there was indeed a new crop circle. Um, and when I first flew over it, I didn't come on to the idea that that was our uh, form. But then later when we viewed the, the pictures together, indeed, it was this, this shape of this Knight's Templars cross, only it was in there uh, six times. Uh, and the whole crop circle was a circle within the circle that was also a cross. So the whole thing uh, breathed our energy of it. And uh, other friends of ours have had similar experiences thinking of some kind of shape together, meditate on it. And then a couple of days later, that actual shape would be in the field. I mean, it's interesting you talk about the energy because I think, you know, I, I've, I've got a friend who's a photographer who uh, took some photos inside and outside stone circles for a project. He's not necessarily a believer, but he was kind of commissioned to take these photos. Uh, and he told me that all of the pictures that he took within the stone circle, all the images either had weird flashes of light on or came out blurred and just none of the images were usable. All the ones outside the circle were. So there seems to be a connect, some kind of connection with circles and energy of, of different kinds. Right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's not a coincidence, of course, that A3 is a circle, that Stonehenge is a, is a circle, that the circle is in many of these sacred places. So there is something in the ground, in the landscape, that attracts these crop circles to that specific sacred spot. It's interesting, yeah. I, th I think also... Um, we had a brief conversation with you before, and I think you described something, I think it was some phenomenal, is it called ghost circles or something like that? I wonder if you could tell us about that, because I found that very interesting. Uh, ghost is, um, if you ask uh, people with a background in farming, that they say, well, um, this is a giveaway that you have, uh, that it's a real crop circle, that it's not uh, made by people using wooden boards. So what happens is that um, in one year you see a crop circle, let's say in wheat, and um, then um, the first kind of ghost is when you mow the field, and then of course you see the shape still in there, but you see the, the the flattened crop lying there. They call that a ghost too, but then it's not so special. What is special is when the next year um, the new crop, whether it is wheat again or maybe uh, uh, oilseed rape you see the shape again but then in the form of damaged crop right um, and that happens every now and again it, it doesn't happen all the time so there is uh, some connection to the phenomenon that this happens so you see uh, um, you know, how you call it bold spots spots where the, the the crop doesn't grow at all or the plants are are not as uh, are more brittle than the others at the spot where the, the flattened crop was the year before. And then you have two other kinds of uh, ghosts. There was only one case of, um, of this one that uh, is reported. In 1999, there was a crop circle at Hackpen, no, not at, at Barbary Castle. And it featured three uh, kind of banana shaped uh, cones in the field. And uh, the next year, the crop circle was there again, but the difference was that now there was no flattened crop, but where the crop had been flattened the year before, now uh, the stems were uh, five centimeters longer than uh, the stems in the standing field. Mm -hmm. So you could see the shape again, yeah. <laughs> but in a different way. 
And then uh, finally, uh, last year, no, two years ago, there was a crop circle at Edgehill Hampton Hill. And it featured some uh, circles. And then uh, in 2019, the next year, there was wheat again on the field. Uh, and the crop circle was again visible, but now the, uh, the crop was very, very brittle so that when uh, the, the, the wind came, uh, some of these stems were, were bent again, but then by, in, in the form of wind damage and the wind damage had the, had the shape of the crop circle that had been there the year before. So, so you have various kinds of ghosts and some of them tell you that, well, it's very, likely that you have to deal in this case with a genuine phenomenon. And so for anybody who is lucky enough to see a corn circle, maybe once we're all out of lockdown, people will be going to, to visit them. What is a good way to experience a corn circle if you've never seen one before? There are several ways, um, and you don't even have to be in the field for that. But if you can get access to the crop circle, I would advise you to do so. And then uh, the most simple way is to meditate in the field and then see what kind of experience you have that might be very different from meditating at some other place. Um, and then uh, what happens often is that when you are with a large group of people and those people don't know each other, they just meet in the crop circle, then already uh, a very beautiful kind of energy uh, is in there because all these people are talking to each other, people who would normally in the streets not talk to each other, but in the crop circle they do because they have uh, the similar interest. And um, so that already is, is, is uh, a great way to experience a crop circle. And then uh, at some point someone may say, well, let's meditate all together. I mean, you sit in a circle and you meditate in that way. And that has also another kind of a very nice vibration that's going on. So that's also a, a way to experience the crop circle. And if people um, want to hear more from you or enjoy, uh, indeed join in any lectures, how can they find you online? Um, well, if they go to skyhighcreations.nl, well, they can find all the lectures that uh, we organize ourselves or that we are involved in. Um, every year, I'm not sure about the coming season, but usually we organize uh, an event at the end of July, which is called the Night of Crop Circling. We do that in uh, the town hall, uh, or the Coronation Hall in Alton Barnes, which is very close to uh, the Crop Circle ex exhibition in Honey Street. If we are not able to do the lecture live this year, then I think we will try to do it via Zoom and then people can join in via Zoom. But then it would be, I think, on uh, Wednesday, July 29th. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we'll definitely put details of that on our um, social media. And I kind of, I've got this, I, when you were talking about people getting together in the the circle it just i had this kind of vision of post lockdown that seems like a great thing to be able to do to kind of re re-engage with people and energy in a positive way so that's great exactly. yeah oh well thank you so much for joining us today that was yeah, absolutely fascinating and uh i think we can put the myth aside that these are hoax things i think they're something much much more special than that yeah much more yeah yeah i agree <laughs> oh Thank you so much. Um, uh, I look forward to uh, joining you at one of your sessions. All right. Well, we'll see you there then. Okay. Lovely. Okay, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. bye, -bye. Well, that was really interesting. I kind of got quite a lot out of that. I think the thing that kind of struck me is when we, 
were talking about the hoaxes, actually. The, um, that hoaxes was a word that he didn't really use for those people. And I got the impression that he would love to kind of... The genuine crop circle experience, let's say, rather than the, the man-made, mm-hmm. is definitely what they were looking for. But yeah, just just being part of it, he and the people around him seem to get something out of it anyway, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I got that as well. It seems like for him, it's as much being part of the search as as it is like trying to find an answer. And I I sort of I well I I think his attitude to we may never know what it is is kind of refreshing. But I think uh, as much as I'd like to, I don't think there is an answer for this phenomena. I was taken by his story of um, his colleague who'd set the camera uh, cameras up on the field and they could never catch anything. And that seems to be the case. Otherwise we would have a picture of one being filmed. And that is quite odd though, isn't it? In a way, because if, if, you know, looking at some of them, and again, like 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 we were saying, it's hard to kind of know which are man-made and which are not, or part man-made or or, or not. Um, if it is a kind of act of trying to communicate with us, it seems kind of weird that unless there's some conspiracy and it's kind of humans who are not letting it be filmed, I guess, rather yeah. than the, the the force itself not wanting to be filmed. Well, I I agree. It is it is odd, although. I I think there is another way of looking at it. Like, um, if it's if it's an intelligence, it doesn't have to be a corporeal intelligence. It doesn't have to be an alien in a nuts and bolts spaceship. It could be something else. Yeah. And if the relationship between that intelligence is like the relationship between humans and ants, for example, which is you know as a comparison that's often cited, mm. yeah. it would be pretty hard. For us to communicate with ants because we don't understand the nuances of ant culture and uh, make sense of what we're seeing uh, yeah exactly yeah so maybe it is for whatever that entity or whatever that intelligence whatever that phenomena is that the best way it knows how to manifest is that maybe it isn't really trying to say anything apart from a we're we're here you know it could be the equivalent of a dog waiting on a lamppost for other dogs maybe that's maybe that's all it is and i'm I'm slightly thinking of um hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that we'll find out that horny hedgehogs are the most intelligent species in the universe (laughs) yeah Um, what what i did like as well was i think you you uh, made the point and drew upon the point that it, it generally, I mean, I know he cited some kind of exceptions of headaches and stuff like that, but genuine, gen, generally, it tends to be a positive experience, whatever the experience is, for those involved in seeking out these crop circles, which I, you could strongly get from talking to him. It was, yeah. it was, it was just, you know, not in spiritual as in religious thing, but there is a kind of a spiritual element to it which i think's again good positive and interesting yeah 
yeah, absolutely. I think um, the only the only problem I don't have a problem with anything he said. I just have a problem with um, if you if you start trying to go too much into the spirituality of it, one could get lost in that and it could sort of lead you up a cul-de-sac if you see what i mean it's kind of yeah it's a bit like the conversation we had the other week about uh the banshees right and vardiga that you know the kind of folklore around it you know and i guess with crop circles it's generally a more a modern day folklore maybe yeah the, the folklore around it can kind of take you off at tangent where actually there is something going on but but then again you know he he was very open-minded about you know what this phenomena could be you know mm. there were lots of examples of what it could be but yeah and I, I know he had his views but he seemed open-minded to be questioned on the the oh where yeah the source of stuff was coming from yeah yeah no no um very very re- reasonable and um good explanations it's i was thinking sorry i was thinking back about your um before before we spoke to roland about the the hoaxers the two guys who has said to have done all these these Mm. circles in that area um and i think we touched upon it before before we did the call but um i'm quite intrigued to understand why they would because there seemed to be some question around whether their claim that they'd done all these uh, crop circles was actually true and there might be some kind of cover-up going on there or some kind of conspiracy. Yeah. In your research, did you get to anywhere of what that would be? Is that, you know, some government trying to hide something and putting them up? to? Where do you think that conspiracy, if there is one, goes? Yeah, I don't know if it's a... I don't know if it's a planned conspiracy or almost like an accidental one. Like, um, is it accidental? So the fact that Channel 4 are heavily promoting a show which is looking into a very zeitgeisty thing at the time yeah. is not unusual for newspapers to try and find an angle on that and yeah. do it. What I do find... These guys, sorry, this question I was going to mm. ask you. The two guys that you were talking about, they didn't mm. feature in the documentary. No. They they came up because, you know, it, it sounds like they came out in the period of promoting the documentary to it yeah. airing, right? That's right. Yeah, okay. they didn't. And, and, and that was the thing. Like, that documentary was entirely focused on uh, very academic researchers. So uh, a key one being somebody called Terence Meaden, who... Basically, the 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 fact that this came out in the newspapers before that uh, television transmission means that it almost undercut anything that these people could say. Who right. and that these people were doing, you know, proper scientific research. They were they were the 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 art the the, uh, the program focused on people who were looking at it from all kinds of different angles and the fact that that newspaper got in and then this uh, narrative of these two people doing everything it's either because we don't you know as a culture we don't want to accept 
that there's something that we can't understand and this is a great thing to do and and people today even now they if you mention corn circles they go oh it was those two two lads with the board wasn't it um and so in that respect whichever whatever the motivation was it's been incredibly successful but it's not the first time somebody has tried to undermine um yeah undermine a sort of an intellectual approach to this subject the the year before they came out there was a a a really big crop circle investigation which was a combination of press uh there was a television crew from uh japan there was also uh researchers from different universities and they all took part in something called operation blackbird where there was there was a 24-hour seven day a week watch on a particular set of fields in Wiltshire where crop circles always appear yeah. and uh during their watch indeed a crop circle did appear and the early press reports and when I say early I mean early on the morning of the day it formed were all excited that they had found a crop circle forming and then Later in that day, after the crop circle had been filmed and was visible, various strange things took place. There was a tarpaulin put across the uh, formation. The tapes from NHK, the Japanese film crew, were taken away. They were never returned. When the tarpaulin was removed, there was a copy of the... Uh, either daily or Sunday sport, I think daily sport, and a Ouija board there. Two things which are very, very likely to bring disrepute to anything. And if if one sort of talks about, you know, the, the legal test of the average man on the Clapham omnibus, mm. the average man on the Clapham omnibus once told or shown photographs of a crop circle with a picture of the sport and a Ouija board in it is immediately going to dismiss what happened there yeah. and and what's interesting is that the vehicle that put the tarp over the formation was a military Land Rover so what on earth is going on why is a military Land Rover what role does that play in debunking a scientific investigation into what could easily be a weather phenomenon and it's at that point where you start sort of scratching your chin and go well maybe maybe this is a side effect of some sort of weapon some sort of maybe psychological weapon maybe a weather weapon maybe a magnetic weapon maybe it's something to do with uh emp electromagnetic pulse weapons something something a lot more uh, sinister but based in sort of human uh, abilities that is causing this and that would be a good reason for the military to cover it up but also just like in Close Encounters of the Third Kind it's also a good reason for the military to cover it up if it's an alien intelligence and there's been a decision taken that we can't see that and and I think that's what makes it all the more peculiar because if it was just a simple weather for ph- ph- phenomena that was causing these formations nobody would have anything to hide 
Nobody would have their tapes taken away. No military jeeps would grab tarpaulin and pull it across a field. Nobody would have reason to claim that they'd, you know, made all the corn circles that ever existed, no matter how far-fetched that sounds. And therefore we and, and we would know what it was. But I think what you can really take away from listening to Roland is that no that there's a kind of a general acceptance amongst people who are close to the subject that there are human created circles and there are phenomena created circles. And it sounds like, you know, at least amongst his team, there's an acceptance that we never we may never know what that intelligence or or what that phenomena is. So there's no point anymore in looking. It's much better to understand uh the result of it and and what whatever it might be that it's trying to tell us which makes which makes some sense but it also leaves me hugely frustrated because if we if we never know i don't know maybe we'll only know when we find out what it is it's trying to say yeah well it's kind of interesting you you said that because i think you know i think roland when he was talking about how he first got into it was almost to try and take a scientific approach to it and investigate it and it sounded like maybe this is the wrong word but swept away is a word that's coming to my mind in the the energy and positiveness of it that you know that's not as important to him anymore yeah yeah I think that's right so you're right I think for me and probably for what me and you do it kind of maybe there is more digging to be done about some of the conspiracies and some of the stuff around it. Well, something that came up in our, our first podcast, maybe it's all a conspiracy with uh, Big Sage. And <laughs> I've got this great kind of vision of the, of the the Sage marketing board sitting there in their evil in their evil den under a mountain, a volcanic mountain as like some kind of bond villains that's brilliant i love that it would smell really nice though <laughs> that's it? that's true yeah. well look once we get out of lockdown we'll we'll go down there and yeah. take a recorder and uh see who who we can meet and and hopefully i don't think it will be this year but next year we might even be able to meet up with roland and he could show us some of the things that he's yeah, found yeah. That'd be good, and uh, you know, I, I, again, the, just I just keep getting that image of, you know, people sitting in a field and just kind of, you know, I'm not particularly a meditative hippie, but you know, there was something, you know, maybe it's just the result of lockdown. There was something incredible about that image of just sitting in a lovely field and soaking up some positive energy. Seems mm-hmm. like a great thing. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe we we will revisit this from a more. Um, you know, I, I, now I, I feel like I understand the phenomena a bit more because, like I said at the start of this, I was a bit like, "Well, hold on, this is a done and dusted topic," but it obviously isn't. So it would be good to dig a bit deeper. Well, if anyone's had any corn circle experiences, uh, do tell us on our social media. Brilliant. All right. Well, that was very good. Uh, like I said, we may return to the, this subject, but. Um... I hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll be back next time for more quantum mechanics. See you next time. See you next time.
Are you the quantum mechanics?